1977, disco was nearly dead. And then this film came out called Saturday Night Fever. And disco is back, baby. And it made John Travolta a household name. A megastar. And thanks to the Bee Gees, Saturday Night Fever will live on in infamy. Thank you for listening to The Actors Room. My name is Jeff Tarowski. This is episode 133. We're going to talk about this movie. Here we go. Wonderful. Some of the greatest moments in this film, for me, is when Tony is eating dinner with his family. Wonderful moments. Uh, Priceless little tidbits of improv skills as well from Mr. Travolta. The whole hair scene was improved by John. And I just want to say that this film meant a lot to me. And when I was a kid, I listened to the soundtrack a lot. My mom loved the music, big fan of the Bee Gees. So it was part of my childhood. Now, mind you, I wasn't old enough yet to watch the film, but I listened to all the songs and it was great. So when I was able to watch the film later on in life, (laughs) I appreciated it even more. And so I think it's going to be therapeutic for me to do this episode, to talk about this film and how much John Travolta sort of means to me. Um, I feel that he's a very talented man. I still think he's an underrated actor. I think a lot of people might disagree with me, but I think overall people don't realize how talented this man is. And if it wasn't for him being so wonderful, okay, this film wouldn't have been that big. So before I get into the film, I want to talk about John Travolta for just a moment because I think it's important. Uh, He grew up in a family of actors, and his mom was into the arts. John states that the whole family was supportive, and the mom and dad really did root for their kids, giving them lots of confidence. When John sneezed, they clapped. John, that was the greatest sneeze ever in the history of the world. Not kidding. (laughs) He really did flourish. Being a part of that family. And because his mom was an actress. He went into acting too. And says that almost any audition he went into. He went into it confidently. And so confident. That he got most auditions. And parts that he tried out for. Very rare. And I'm jealous. (laughs) 
I went on a lot of auditions and I didn't get a lot of them like John did. But I think he was a natural right off the bat. Everything seemed to come pretty easy for John in the early stages of his career and gave him more and more confidence to go further on down the line with acting. And he did. He would try out for Broadway plays and do very well. He once auditioned for Jesus Christ Superstar and it brought the attention of the producer of that show, Robert Stigwood. And although John didn't get the part in Jesus Christ Superstar, Robert didn't forget him. And my teachers at acting school would tell me that you have to go to every audition, even the ones you know you're not going to get. I said, why the hell would I do that? And they said, because the casting directors may not want you for this part, but if you do well, you're going to stick in their memory. And they may want you for something down the line. Well, this is what happened with John. Robert Stigwood liked John Travolta and thought, I might want him for something in the future. And he did. A production called Grease came around. And then this movie, Saturday Night Fever. Now, John had done Broadway in the past. He played a very small role in Grease on Broadway, but didn't play Danny Zuko until he did the movie. But this one, Saturday Night Fever, came first. And Robert Stigwood wanted John. He was a big fan of John Travolta. Seeing how popular John was on Welcome Back, Cotter. John was very popular at that time. Getting a lot of fan mail. John received so much fan mail with the popularity of that TV show that there was no way he could read every letter. Let's just put it this way. Mr. Travolta had the looks. He had the charm. He had the talent. He could sing. He could dance. And he used all of these traits to get him where he was. He was the central figure in what would be one of the most influential films of the late 70s. I mean, that's mind-blowing. But it was producer Robert Stigwood that made it happen. And he brought along the director of Rocky, done in 1976, just a year before, called John Alvinson. And John Alvinson was slated to direct this film. Didn't go well. Mr. Alvinson wanted to change the screenplay, done by Norman Wexler. Norman was pissed, and so was the producer. It wasn't working out with Alvinson, so guess who got fired? Alvinson. And they brought in another director, a director that would toe the line. And his name was John Badham. Badham also agreed that the screenplay should be done the way it was written. And that was music to the ears of John. No, not John. Robert Stigwood. It seems everybody pretty much is named John. It just seems like I'm saying John a lot. (laughs) Though I'm talking about Travolta. That's okay. And I went off script just now. But let's get back on track. So they got the right director. They got their star in John Travolta. And they needed to round out the rest of the cast. And notable cast members in this film are Barry Miller, who played Bobby C. Donna Pascoe 
who played Annette. I thought she was wonderful. And then another one was Martin Shakar, who played Frank Jr., Tony's brother. And of note, we have a Fran Drescher sighting in the movie, too. <laughs> Where did she come from, right? Oh, my God, that's Fran Drescher. What the? And then you also have the other great cast member in this film, the soundtrack. And most importantly, the Bee Gees. Now, oh, John Travolta did a fine job, of course, as Tony Manero. Yes. But without the music, would this have also been as big? No way. The Bee Gees had it going on for this movie. Now, they were sort of dead in the water at this time in their career. They had some success across the sea. But they were sort of not as big as they wanted to be. They had the potential. They just needed a venue. This was the venue they needed. It was perfect. And Robert Stigwood, the producer of this movie, also represented the Bee Gees. So it just made sense. The Bee Gees needed this, and so did Robert. A perfect marriage for the film and for John Travolta. Before we get into my notes in the movie, John Travolta can dance, can he? That guy can move. And if you think about it, just about every John Travolta movie after this, he dances. Is that a coincidence? No. He's a wonderful dancer. This film, Saturday Night Fever, was based on an article. An article in a magazine. Its title was called Tribal Rights of the New Saturday Night. Is that right? That's right. Tribal Rights of the New Saturday Night. That was the name of the article. It was such a success, this article, that people wanted to make it into a play or a movie. A freaking article. Not a book. Not a novel. That's right. An article. It was written by Nick Cohn. I guess Nick was hanging around the nightclubs in Brooklyn. Noticed this one guy sort of standing out amongst the crowd. And was interested in that concept. Of this one guy. Real good looking guy. Being the talk of the club. So Nick, the writer, followed this group of friends around and wanted to know more about that scene, the dying disco scene. And because of that interest, wrote a fascinating article and brought the attention of many artists in the business. They wanted to do something with this article. It was that good. Hence, Saturday Night Fever, 1977. And here we go. Let's talk about the plot. We'll talk about my notes and everything else. So let's give a slight plot explanation. Tony Manero is 19 years old, a kid, and he likes to hang out with his buddies, just like everyone did at that age. You love to hang out, and I think that's why it was very appealing to a lot of people. They were either at that point in their lives hanging out, having a good time, or they would reminisce about the times they loved to hang out with their friends. Going to clubs, getting laid, doing drugs, and acting like morons. 
We all got to do it. It's a good time. But that's just what we got to go through in our progression of becoming an adult. And that's Tony. He's at a point in his life, working a dead-end job, hanging out with his buddies, and thinking about his future. We go on this journey with him, a journey with his friends, his family, and what he's going to do with his dancing. The movie starts off great. And this is important to me when I watch a film. Uh, If you don't grab my attention right away, okay, you might lose me. That's just the way I am with a lot of new films I watch. If you're not giving something to me right away, it's tough to keep me watching. But with this movie, the director did a fantastic job showcasing Travolta and his sexiness. Let's be plain about it. He got him walking real suave. He got him checking out women, real hot ones, passing them by. And you just get a shot of him walking the street and doing it very well. (laughs) And of course, it doesn't hurt. When you have the BG staying alive playing along with Tony walking the street. Uh, Tony also buys pizza on his way back to work. And I want to note that the actress giving Tony the pizza is his real sister. And then when Tony finally gets back to work with his paint can, the lady he gives the paint can to is his mother, his real mother and I like that. The director did that on purpose. And I'll tell you why. I think this is why. I might be wrong. I think the director wanted John to be comfortable right off the bat. And it shows. If you watch the film, the very beginning, look at how comfortable Travolta is in the beginning of the movie. Very comfortable. And I like the fact that the director, I think, made a point to do that. Get him going in the right direction because John Travolta at that time was going through a rough patch. His girlfriend had died of cancer not long before this movie started shooting. This was big and he met the girlfriend on the set of The Boy in the Plastic Bubble. I think John used the emotion he was going through at that time in his acting. I think it helped him and Hey, you got to use it. And I think John did. And I think also it was a sort of a dedication to his former girlfriend in this film and helped him with his role in his acting. Next, we have the getting ready scene when John Travolta is in front of the mirror showing off his hairy chest. (laughs) Uh, He was uh, showing a lot of himself. The critics didn't like this part in the movie showcasing John's appeal. And I think that the director and the screenwriters thought it would be a good idea to do this, to show off the sex appeal. This was important in the film showing off Travolta because he had that might as well eye candy for the viewer. He made a lot of women very happy. Some men, Hey, (laughs) But I also want to note, too, in that scene that this is sort of an acting exercise put into a film. The getting ready part. We, this is a ritual everyone does 
if you get out of bed every morning. You get ready. And it was sort of an acting exercise in class where you had to make the room your own, feel comfortable in it, so comfortable, you close off the audience. The whole exercise was based upon that. There is no audience. Just be there. Close everyone off and do things you would normally do in your room. Do you know how freaking hard that is? It sounds easy, right? Just be in the room. But when you have people looking at you, it's hard to just be there. Uh, To just be vulnerable in that space. So this was sort of John Travolta being naked. Not really naked, but naked enough personally to make that space his own, to make that bedroom his bedroom, Tony's bedroom. And you feel that right off the bat in the beginning of the film. uh, We are now involved with Tony. Like we're sitting there watching him getting ready. Okay. And it's interesting. John pulls it off. Uh, you, you get to see the real John in a way. And John's interesting. That's why we keep watching this guy. We care. Um, and then I also said in my notes that there's a point that he goes into the closet to get a shirt. And John gives a funny look. Remember that? If you don't, go back, watch it again. When he goes to get his shirt, he gives a look. It is sort of like, does John do this on his own when he's getting ready and he goes to get his shirt in the closet? Does he give that look? That's how comfortable Travolta was in that character. That he was able to just be quirky because maybe John Travolta is quirky getting ready, just being who he is. He's so comfortable there. Did I say that enough? (laughs) I'm a big fan of this movie. If you haven't noticed, I'm a big fan of John Travolta. I think he's phenomenal. And of course, that could be just because I freaking grew up watching him dance. You know, Grease was big in our house. So, I mean, the guy was just a part of my childhood. Okay. (laughs) So I was so excited when he became popular again uh, because he really didn't do much in the 90s. Was it? You know, and then he kind of came back with Pulp Fiction. And that was a big deal. And um, I think that it's the intimacy that John allows us to see in him. That make the audience care. That's all. And I wanted to point that out. Also notice that uh, he has a Rocky poster on his wall. And I find it interesting. And I get it. Rocky was popular. Uh, Rocky was Italian. There's a lot of Italian things and. In Tony's room, he's got Pacino, he's got Stallone. It's great. And I note that one of the um, musical producers in this movie was David Shire, who was married to Talia Shire on the Rocky poster as Adrian. Is that a coincidence? Fuck no. (laughs) And I've said this before on my show. Hollywood is small. It's not that big. I think things are circulated people and recommended. So is it a coincidence that Talia Shire is on the wall 
okay? And David Shire was involved in the musical production. No, not a coincidence, and I thought I'd point that out. I like when the dad comes to get Tony, it's time to eat. This is the only time I like the dad in the film. Because all the rest of the time, he's a prick to Tony. And pretty much to everybody. And that's because he, he's been out of work, the dad. So he's just a little pissed off. But in this scene, telling Tony, you know, it's time to eat. And Tony's like, I'm not hungry. And the dad's like, you're going to come down and eat. You got to eat. And he, he's checking out the Fair Fawcett poster on the wall. Checking out a rack. <laughs> like we all did, right? And the dad's kind of cool in that scene. And he even walks away dancing. I like how in the script, the mom has to go to church to pray for her priest's son to call her. I love that. I hope that wasn't improv. I hope that was actually in the script because I think that's brilliant writing. Because that could actually happen. Okay, that's just the way the mom is. And I love the mother in this film. She's also in the sequel, Staying Alive. And she's a great scene with John Travolta in Staying Alive. Uh, where they're, both of them are sitting down eating, having a nice conversation. Beautifully done. So I, I love the mom in this film. And she has to go to church a lot. Because she, she has a, a son that's a priest. And he's not calling her on a regular basis. And she doesn't like it. <laughs> she, you know, He should call me. I'm not calling him. So I'm going to go down there after confession and pray for him to call me. And Tony thinks this is just priceless. <laughs> and it is. And he calls her on it. It's perfect. There are a lot of racial slurs in this film. Would this film be done today? Absolutely not. I don't think so. What do you think? The way we are right now in society, we're so freaking uptight. It's unbelievable. There's no way. They're, they make fun of uh, all sorts of Puerto Ricans, gays, uh, anything and everything pretty much. I just don't think it would be done today. And this film was so historic that it had to be done at that time for it to be successful. And thank God, it's just the right time, the right place, the right characters, and so on. It's amazing that all of these things sort of have to happen. And that's the beauty of it. Because sometimes projects just fall through the cracks. Wonderful projects. Because they don't have the legs. And they don't have the right people controlling things. But in this circumstance, thankfully, everything came together at the right time. So Tony finally leaves his house. They're going to go party at the club. They get out of the car before they get into the club. And John Travolta does something wonderful. Something very small. But I like noting these things. Travolta's fixing his hair. Looking in the window of the car. Using it as a mirror. And he does this. Hum, 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 hum. Hum, 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 hum. That's an acting exercise. We would do that in class. I love John Travolta. He's incorporating his acting style in his performance. Not too many people do this. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's, uh, I, I watch this film and I go, John, that's great. <laughs> Is it a coincidence that he's just doing that to be silly? 
No, absolutely not. Not Travolta. No. You got to understand, at this point, John Travolta was being compared to Brando. He was being compared to James Dean at this time. That's a lot of pressure. But John Travolta loved it. In interviews, you see the press bring it up. People that interview him. Oh, you're being compared to so-and-so. How does it make you feel? And John just beams. He loved it. He brought it on. He loved the attention. He was ready for it. He was confident enough. I mean, you need that cockiness. And he had it, man. He just had the look. In every way. And I, I like the fact that he was using that confidence. And that's what makes this work. If John wasn't confident, we wouldn't care. They get to the club. And they do this. It's very important. They walk the room and they do it with style. You enter the club with your posse and you make it known you're there. They high five. They make eye contact with the right people. They shimmy a little with the music. And then they sit down. This is very important. Gotta walk the room. Gotta do it right. (laughs) And they do. Uh, And it's obvious that the group of friends are important in this surrounding. I mean, this is their place. This is where they go every weekend. They work all week and they blow their load all over the floor at the club. And at the club, we meet a very important character in this film, Annette. Donna Pasco played her. She's one of my favorite characters in this movie. I think she's a phenomenal actress too. Donna. And beautiful eyes. Um, I care for her character. Um, And I'm sad what happens to her in the film. Um, But it's caring for her that made me realize just how wonderful Donna's performance was. And it was. You also see the obsession aspect of everyone around Tony the many that obsess over him whether he's friends with you or not people love to be around him this is important to have that aura it boosts you up it takes you above and beyond these are um, magical people you hate to say it but that's true there are certain people you've known in your life that give you a little something extra Uh, They make you feel good about yourself. You want to be in their presence. Their aura. It beams. And Tony's aura beams bright. Tony gets a raise. And this is a big deal for Tony. He doesn't care how much the raise is. That's... Doesn't matter. It's the fact that someone told him he's doing a good job at work. And the boss tells him, it's the the raise, it's pathetic. And Tony's like, it's fine. I mean, I'm just flattered you gave me a raise. And he's, I mean, it's obvious that he's flattered. And the boss is thinking he's putting me on and he keeps upping the raise. (laughs) He gets him up to $4. And Tony is on cloud nine, gets home, even talks to his dad about it. And the dad's like, that's great. You should have brought it up at dinner. Something to talk about at dinner. What did you get? What's the raise? Tony tells him about $4. 
and the dad just thinks it's pathetic. Dogs, Tony. And I love that moment that Tony has with his dad. He says, I don't get compliments much. I've had two compliments my whole life. My first compliment, of course, is my dancing. And the second one, today, he said, with the raise, two times. And he goes, you never, ever did that. You never gave me praise. He pretty much tells him to fuck off. (laughs) He tells his dad to fuck off. (laughs) Ah, hey. (laughs) Tony's got a lot of balls, doesn't he? (laughs) There's going to be a contest, a dancing contest, of course, at the club. There's a history between Tony and Annette, dance partners. Annette brings it up. Tony says, fine, but it's just going to be practicing. Donna wants Tony. And when I say Donna, I mean Annette. <laughs> They're just intertwined. So if, we, if it was up to Annette, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I messed up there. <laughs> I mess up. And I don't cut it out when I mess up now. I don't do it. I leave it in. So let's start over. Donna's character, Annette. Right. She wants Tony. If it were up to her, her dream would be to marry Tony and have 25 of his kids. That's all she wants. And it's not going to happen. Tony just kind of likes her. And that's just the way it is. So they're going to be dance partners. But Tony sees this lady. And if you could tell by the tone of my voice. He sees this woman on the dance floor. I guess dancing great. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not a big fan of Stephanie. Okay. And she was played by, hold up, hold up. Karen Lynn Gorney. Is it Gorney? I think it's Gorney. The weakest part of the film. If you're to say, Jeff, what is the weakest part in Saturday Night Fever? And I go, that's easy. (laughs) I don't even have to think about that. Stephanie. (laughs) And you know what? I'm, I'm not even dogging the actress. And her name was Karen. She's a Karen. It's not her fault. She did her job. I just maybe I just don't like the character. Just like her. (laughs) Anyway, Tony likes her, so that's important. He likes her so much. He starts getting a little obsessed with her. Okay? And he wants to meet her, of course. And does so at the dance studio when he's practicing with Annette. He meets Stephanie, they, you know. They go out to lunch in the lunch scene. The lunch scene is priceless. You know, she's just boasting how wonderful she is. <laughs> and how important she is and who she meets. She meets Laurence Olivier, I guess, where she works. And that's cool. I like that. I mean, a, a nice little name drop there for Olivier. That's, that's great. And I like how Tony <laughs> has no clue who Olivier is. He acts like he does at the end. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's good. He's great. <laughs> he has no idea. <laughs> but she's so wonderful and pretty much tells 
Tony that, you know, there's not much to you. <laughs> you know, why didn't you go to college? He's like, because I didn't go, bitch. <laughs> but I got to say, the lunch scene between Stephanie and Tony is good. I like the scene. <laughs> All right. This is important. Right here. Okay. Something in the plot line happens. Big deal. Tony's brother, Frank, he's a priest, right? And the family is just um, feeling special because they have a priest in the family. And the mom and dad hold this in high regard to have a priest. Your son's a priest. My God, that's almost like uh, you're in the front to get into heaven. You're right. It's like it helps in your, your, uh, your heavenly acceptance, I guess. Well, guess what happens? The brother, Frank, he's going to leave the church. By God, this is... What? That's impossible. It happens, folks. Okay? Being a priest, a Catholic priest, is hard. Becoming a priest is hard. And staying a priest is hard. To be celibate and to devote your entire life to God. you got to be a pretty special person to do that. I was raised Catholic and they teach you to hold a priest in high regard. And we did. And the dedication you got to have to do that job is immense. So Frank wants out of there. Crushes the family. And, but, 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 Tony almost feels resurrected with this. Because all almighty Frank, the brother, just loved. And he's no longer that high, you know, being, he's down here now. And Tony is resurrected and reborn with this notion. And he even says so in the very next scene when he sees his friends. Like, he just, he feels great. <laughs> and the, the bad part for Tony is that the family's so distraught about Frank leaving the church that... They blame Tony. And I think that's just another layer of the shit that Tony gets on a regular basis at home. And because Tony's so frustrated by this, he explodes and he really lays into the mom. You know, you have now you have three shit kids and uh, really laying into her and she's already distraught and he just lays it all on the line. And apologizes almost immediately realizes what he did i do that too i get pissed at my family <laughs> i oh, and i yell i'm like fuck it and then 10 seconds later i'm apologizing i can't stay mad they always say that right never go to bed angry and i like that because i try not to do that explode get it out there fight you know uh make it known where you're unhappy. But moments later, be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> great moment. Another great part is when he's talking with Stephanie, walking with her. And he asks her, am I interesting and intelligent? And uh, Stephanie struggles with this. <laughs> she does. Um, because I don't think she really knows just yet if he's interesting or intelligent. 
What do you think of Tony? Interesting, yes. Intelligent, maybe. And Stephanie nails it. Although I don't like the character, right here, she does nail Tony a little bit. Interesting, yeah, yeah. Uh, intelligent, maybe. Well, that makes Tony happy. And what does he say? Quote, Shanoosh. What is that? I like it, though. He goes, Shanoosh. Now that his brother Frank isn't a priest anymore, he wants to hang out with Tony. He knows that Tony's a great dancer. He wants to see him in action. And this is a big deal for Tony. He wants his brother to see him dance. He wants his brother to see how popular he is. So that's what they do. And even John Travolta stated that this part of the film meant a lot to the character Tony. It meant a great deal to Tony. And John Travolta trained for six months before this movie started dancing. And I think he said he practiced 10 hours a day. That's dedication. And because he was getting all this exercise, he lost a lot of weight and got in great shape. If you notice, in Welcome Back, Cotter, he was a little thicker. And he thinned down in the process of practicing and dancing. And he looked thin in Saturday Night Fever. A great scene when the brother is watching Tony dance is Barry Miller, who plays... Bobby C. Great actor. Great character. He's got problems. Tony C. Right? Bobby C. Sorry. (laughs) Bobby C. got his girlfriend pregnant. And he asked the priest, Frank, can he get a dissertation in order to get an abortion? Which means, will the Pope okay the girlfriend getting an abortion under the Catholic umbrella. Catholic? Catholic umbrella. And Frank simply says, I don't think so. Poor Bobby C. Nobody listens, really. And nobody's giving him great advice. Especially Tony. Tony's all wrapped up in his own shit that he ignores Bobby C. throughout the film. Tony and Stephanie... They're becoming a thing, right? And Tony really wants Stephanie to be his dance partner in the contest. Fuck you, Tony. Fuck you. (laughs) You should have kept a net. I'm just saying. What, you think Stephanie's a better dancer? Fuck no. Getting a little emotional here. Because Tony now has to tell Annette that he has a new dance partner. Tony, that was rough. That was rough. Rough part in the movie. Having to tell Annette that. Sorry, Annette. I'm doing the the dance contest without you. I'm pretty much kicking you to the curb. This crushes Annette. And guess what? It crushed me too. I I guess we have to mention this part in the movie where Gus is attacked. One of uh, Tony's friends, Gus. He's attacked by a gang and hospitalized. They kick his ass. And then, you know, you got the whole thing with the Barracudas and they got to fight. I guess you got to put that stuff into the movie. They could have taken all that shit out. I really didn't care. But it does play into the ending, and I guess. Well, I guess we have to note that in the plot line. Eh, whatever. (laughs) 
But I guess it's important in this way. Because Gus is all messed up in the hospital. He blames the Barracudas. So now Tony and his friends are going to get him back. And they beat the shit out of the other gang members. Except for Bobby C. Who's kind of a pussy, right? The one that got his girlfriend pregnant. He doesn't really chip in with the fighting. And that'll play into later in the whole ending and stuff. I know, right? I really care about the uh, gangs fighting. But something more important happens next. The dance contest, right? This is a big deal. This is the epic part of the film, right? We want to see Tony dance. We want to see him dance well. And we want to watch him get the trophy, win first place. And he does. The dance that he does, man. He's amazing. He's a great dancer. But it's not the dance that he does with Stephanie that's great. It's the dance he does when he's showing off to his brother. Okay, it's just phenomenal. And that was mostly choreographed by someone else. And he pulls off all the moves, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Tony and Stephanie win the contest. But Tony's not happy. Because he thinks that the Puerto Rican couple that danced right after them did a better job. And thinks that it's all rigged because they're white. So ultimately, Tony gives the trophy to the Puerto Ricans and says, Congratulations, you won, you did a great job, this is for you. I love that part, and the look on the actors playing the Puerto Ricans is perfect. They're stunned, they're like, what just happened? So frustrated Tony takes Stephanie into a car. And he wants to have sex. She tells him that she's been using him. This pisses him off. So what does he try to do? He tries to continue to have sex with her. Almost attempting to rape her. Now he said almost attempting to rape her. Did he try to rape her? I don't know. Did he? What do you think? He definitely tried to have sex with her. And he did it sort of forcefully. So yeah, I guess it was an attempted rape. Tony... You're not very likable at this point in the film. But of course, someone in the story isn't doing well. And that's Annette. She's depressed. She was shunned by Tony. And she's really drunk at the dance competition. And vulnerable. And they take advantage of her. My least favorite part of the movie, if you haven't guessed... It would be a hard part in the movie. Hard. Uh, A very difficult part of the movie to watch is when she's being raped uh, one by one of the friends in the back seat. And Tony does nothing. Mm, 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 mm. And uh, that's uh, something that uh, this movie... Uh, will do to you. <laughs> uh, and uh, movies that I enjoy, I know it's kind of messed up, bringing emotion out. Okay. And whether it's good or bad, the emotion is there. And you know Tony is struggling with what's going on, but he doesn't step up and help Annette. She needed his help. He didn't give it. They end up at the bridge. Where they do their antics, messing around on the bridge. 
and Bobby C. Also not doing well at this point in the film. Becomes reckless and starts overacting on the bridge. He was suicidal. And he pretty much does commit suicide. He pretty much. He commits suicide on the bridge. And Tony being disheartened with everyone. uh, Just leaves. Goes for a walk. He's just simply dealing with shit. Uh, He wants to shed all this now. I think he realizes at this point. He's surrounding himself with the wrong people. Uh, They're also turning him into a piece of shit. He doesn't want that. He just wants to start anew. And he wants to apologize to Stephanie. That's what he does at the end of the film. Goes to her place and apologizes for his actions. There is a new Tony on the horizon. Saturday Night Fever is one of my favorite movies. I watch it on a regular basis. There isn't a year that goes by that I don't watch this movie. It could be because of Travolta. It could be because I just want to hear BG songs. Watch John dance. See all the interesting characters. Watching John Travolta act. The moments he has. When he's sitting with Stephanie. On the bench looking at the Brooklyn Bridge. And how Tony knows everything about the bridge. How tall it is. Everything that goes into the bridge. And the fact that there's a man buried within it. All fascinating to Tony. And how the bridge gives him hope. Gives him comfort. And gives him something to strive for. He wants to dance and do it well. There's a future for Tony Monero. And it's called Staying Alive. (laughs) Directed by Sylvester Stallone. I like that one too. (laughs) I won't talk about that one though. (laughs) We'll just talk about Saturday Night Fever. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the show. Episode 133. 133. I would have never imagined uh, I'd get to 100. So reaching 133, not bad. We'll see how, how, how much further I can go with this show. I enjoy doing a, a film like this because every time I watch it, I get something new out of it. And although I've seen the movie probably, I'd say, 50 times, maybe more, probably more. There's always a little something more I get out of Travolta. And that goes to show how great of an actor he is. Um, And how wonderful he is moving around. And the Bee Gees. And how their music really did set the example of catchiness. And, 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 And the disco era that was almost dead. And the talents of the Bee Gees... Brought it back to life. That's incredible. And John Travolta. Bringing that whole idea. Of disco dancing. Being cool. He made disco cool. That in itself. Is kind of a miracle. This is the Actors Room. My name's Jeff. Always support the show. Go on iTunes. 
uh, go to my website, uh, give a review, and then maybe put a comment in. And I, n- I haven't mentioned this in a while. I have a donate button on my website. So if you enjoyed the show, want to give support, you can always go onto the website and there's this little icon. You click on it and then you can donate five bucks. I, I don't get any money for doing this show. I do it because I want to do it. And it's fun. It's therapy for me. I've explained that before in the past. It's, it's a time for me to take a moment and talk about art. Talk about actors. Films. Dancers. Like John. John does it all. right? And pretty much uh, a little after this, he does something else pretty cool. He makes Grease. And if you're a big musical fan... How can you not love Greece? I mean, he was Danny Zuko. Just a great job by this man. And I enjoy a lot of his movies. I think he's wonderful. Obviously. I would not have done this movie, right? So I'm going to do this. Because I love the movie so much. And the music. I thought I'd put in a song that you'll probably love. At the end of this episode. So if you don't want it to end. Please give a listen. After the show. And enjoy the song. God bless you. Hope everybody's doing well. Have a good one. <laughs>